Hello, film friends, friends of film and everyone in between. Welcome to the Film Folklore Podcast. I am Judd Props, and I'm joined today by Zoe Props. Hello. Justin Sound. Hello. Our tried and true producer. Uh, we are uh, missing both of our ADs today. Uh, Joe is on a commercial, I believe. Good for him. Uh, working a job. Yay, Joe. Um, Chris, as we understand it, is dropping sick guitar licks somewhere around town uh, because uh, he went to the wrong studio. <laughs> so um, he also uh, ghosted me on, I thought was a fair question when I asked him how many guitar licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? And he didn't say anything, so that was rude. He's probably, st he's probably still thinking about it. And oh, that's yeah. why he's, he's actually here. Oh my God. Right here. Actually, yeah. you're right. You know what the problem is? We can't count. That was kind of the thing. We can't count. You know yeah. what the answer is? Second, second. There you that's go. how many licks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yet another callback. Um, all right. So anyway, um, we have a, a very, very special um, episode today for you guys. Uh, we're going to be doing a part two of our little mini series on the strike situations that have been plaguing 2023. And for this one, we're going to get uh, specifically into WGA talk and uh, we were able to get some time with a uh, writer friend, uh, Todd Farmer, who um, has had a very unique career as a writer. And I mean, y'all are welcome to, to look him up on IMDb, but uh, some of his um, uh, highlights would be uh, Jason X, uh, the My Bloody Valentine remake, and uh, Drive Angry, he co-wrote with a, a friend and director of the movie, uh, Patrick Lussier. Um, also a very nice guy, uh, both of them are. Um, and that's where I, I met Todd originally. And then I've had the fortune of working with him in a kind of acting cameo capacity as well. So that was cool. Mm. But uh, yeah, so uh, Zoe, I don't know, like like writers, we, we writers are, are difficult because there's a film writer and then there's a TV writer. And they're very different beasts in the way that we interact with them. Mm -hmm. Like TV writers are essentially like episodic producers as well. So they have a lot of like hands-on say-so and they're answering a lot of questions more so than a director oftentimes. And then a, a film writer typically, they show up to set, they might have notes and conversations with the director, but you, we don't really interact with them much. Um, what, uh, what would you say to your experiences uh, with writers in that kind of capacity? <clears throat> Frankly, I've mostly worked on TV shows. Yeah, that is, that is the bulk of the work these days. Yeah, that's uh, kind of it. So they've always been around. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I've actually worked with some pretty cool people that I've never had any kind of issue with. And then, of course, there's the random, irritating, very put their nose into everything where it maybe kind of shouldn't. Um, but I, I think I feel good. I think I feel good about writers. I think well, overall. You are bringing up a good point. I feel good. <laughs> when we're on a TV series, several episodes in, you know, maybe it's, let's say it's episode five that we're, we're working on. And now you have a new writer that maybe you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. They don't really announce themselves. It's not like they're wearing a t-shirt that says I'm the writer. So, um, Although I would like maybe if they had a baseball cap that just said writer. It would be helpful. Like a la 30 Rock kind of stuff. Yeah, it would be incredibly um, helpful. But uh, <laughs> um, a lot of times they'll just show up and then they start like messing with all your stuff where it's like you'll see the, uh, uh, oh my God, what was it? Um, oh my God, what was that TV series? Starcrossed only had one season. Uh, it was a CW show that failed miserably for good reason. Um, it was uh, painful to watch. But... Um, uh, I had a thing where we, there was an outdoor party and I had set up all the um, kind of prop dressing on top of the set dressing. So it's like, what I mean by that is we typically come in with like a top layer, we call it sometimes, and it just kind of peppers over the set dressing that's already been in place. So if like, mm -hmm. if they're putting the tables and chairs and, you know, say the patio furniture, maybe they're putting out some serving dishes and stuff for the party, we're just adding to that. And usually we do the food and that's exactly what had happened. Uh, we did the food. So I got everything out. I got everything, you know, presented. And then this woman I've never seen before just starts messing with curtains. She starts rearranging the food that I just put out. And I'm kind of like, I, I grab my, my mic from my walkie and 
and call in another prop person to an off channel for as we talked about and then i'm just going um there's someone here that is moving all of our stuff around and i don't know what to do because i want to be mad but i don't know who this person is and that's then, always the problem too yeah. is that you, you cannot just go unless you know exactly who they are yeah. you cannot just go up to someone and be like hey who the hell are you and what the hell are you doing you have to turn yeah. to someone else and be like who the hell are they? Yeah, exactly. Because you might you might step on the wrong toes. Exactly, you know who it is they're also very confident to be moving everything around. Exactly, they might be important or not at all. And they don't. Mm. In I'll say <laughs> in their defense, they don't know our union lines. Um, it's not like I don't get upset because they don't know that. It's just you know, there's there's no piece of paper handed to them to say you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that because that's a union thing. You know, but, exactly. I try not to get too mad, but right. it is also hard to see someone. Just fingering all of your things. I mean, yeah, essentially. <laughs> like, you they, doing? Yeah. You going shopping? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey there, buddy. You uh, you comfortable? Yeah. You want to take a cupcake? <laughs> you hungry? Uh, yeah. Um, which that's another thing we can talk about another time is um, uh, other people messing with prop food. We could have an entire episode on that. Oh, um, yeah. There's some funny yeah. stories. I've seen there. crew eat some disgusting things that... I know that they're not good. Um, like, um, what was it? Underground season one, we had a, um, a um, outdoor debutante like thing. And, you know, it's 19th century. We're at the edge of this forest. We have all these pedophores and cakes and, and setups and, you know, tea sandwich kind of blah. All day, they've been out there in the sun and the elements and everything. That's the thing. That, that's what I try to explain yeah. to people. I'm like, if... If no one's eating them, they're not refrigerated. It's been out. I remember this girl just begging for this pastry we had. And I'm like, it's been out for like 14 hours. You don't want that yeah. anymore. It's gross. Guess, uh, you don't want to eat that. If man. you had to guess the department that would be staring at that stuff all day, who would be staring at that? Camera. That's exactly correct. Mm -hmm. And it was a camera assistant at the end of the night when we were throwing out stuff. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You're throwing away that cake? And I'm like, this cake that's been out here for nine hours? Yeah. And also, it wasn't, a, to be clear, a cold day. Um, that was, I believe, late July. Um, and, uh, and he um, not only wouldn't let me throw it away, he barehanded it and ate it with his bare hands. And I just didn't know what to think about it. So I just kind of shook my head and went back to rapping because it's like, God, you've been looking at it all day. You know that it's been sitting out all day. And first of all, you ha didn't have a problem with that. Second of all, you, just stuck his hand. you didn't even say like, got a fork. <laughs> you just like palmed it. I don't started. know whether I love that or hate that. <laughs> I was kind of just mesmerized <laughs> by it. And I was like, honest. I want to go home. I'm going to turn my attention back to wrapping out. But <laughs> that was okay, buddy. Huh. You do you. Just, uh, man, just he's, he's the me. star of the show. <laughs> <laughs> He was hungry from the start, and then, you know, just after looking at it all day, it's just, fuck it. You know, I'm going for it. We had a DP on a show, and too bad Chris and uh, and Joe aren't here. I think they were uh, I think they were with us. I wonder if it's the same DP that, uh, uh, but please tell. Um, it was, uh, I think it was Queer as Folk. Yep. Um, oh, exactly what you're talking about. Okay, awesome. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, were, you, were you there for that cake? I wasn't, but I had just worked with him and have gotcha. heard. Uh, you heard about that cake? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Many things. <laughs> it was right after the first shot. And it was a cake that was going to be, I don't think they were cutting it or anything in the scene, so they were just going to use nope. the same cake uh, all day. And I think it was right after, uh, like, they might have got one or two shots in, and he just goes for it. Wow. Yeah, those are stories, like, they went to lunch. Yeah, and yeah. props comes back, yeah. and there's just a big old slice mm -hmm. taken out of this cake, and like it was labeled, it was on their cart. Hey, you know, props, don't oh touch <laughs> this guy. <laughs> just did this little Homer Simpson moment. Woo! And just took it. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Castro on. Um, shout out to Castro, um, and have a whole episode about prop food, because um, he can definitely speak a lot to that as well. But yeah. he, but he has good. Good memories. That's what we were saying before. Is that like I think you and I have had more PTSD type experiences. Um, yeah, a bit traumatizing. Yeah, yeah. Work, worked a couple times. We just we yeah. just food that just kept on showing up a lot. It's great for weight loss though, because I find myself eating less because I, I now have an issue with food, and it's all thanks to people not reading notes and signs that say mm -hmm. things like "Don't eat." Yeah, and this is prop food, 
And then when you go to use it for a scene and you realize some, I don't know, we'll just call him a cinematographer, um, was, uh, you know, just eating the food off your cart because a uh, little known fact about camera, they can't read. They're all numbers people. Mm -hmm. So um, mm -hmm. they can tell you a distance of something uh, in numbers, but uh, they don't read too good. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so back on uh, today's thing, um, we got a special uh, guest and uh, hopefully we can have him on for future stuff because he's a lovely man. With us today, we have a, a writer to talk to us about um, WGA, a little bit about his background and and where he is currently, which is, I'm super jealous. But uh, yeah, let's all welcome uh, Todd Farmer. Welcome, Todd. Hello, Todd, and welcome. Todd, hello, and how are you? I am excellent. That's so good. Uh, so I, I met Todd uh, back on Drive Angry. Um, you co-wrote Drive Angry, right, with Patrick? I did. Yeah, Patrick and I co-wrote. Uh, Patrick uh, Lucio was the director as well, mm -hmm. and uh, that was a wild, wild movie to work on. It was fun. I mean, it was. That's the first movie that I've that I've worked on that we basically shot what we wrote. Like we didn't get a ton of notes. We didn't. Uh, I mean, we had to change things for locations. Like uh, we had to, the the church was like a last minute thing. So suddenly you guys were all scrambling to find creepy Jesus pictures and stuff to put on the walls. <laughs> but right. uh, other than that, I mean, it's exactly what we wrote and went out with. So that was like lovely. That's, yeah. That never happens. <laughs> it is very rare. Um, and you also got a little cameo in it. Um, I did. I was completely butt ass naked. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about the naked. Um, uh, you were, uh, uh, Amber Heard's, uh, shitty boyfriend, right? I was, I was. <laughs> and this is pre, Who knew? pre poopy pillow, Amber Heard. Um, pre poopy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she didn't poop on anything there. Yeah. She seemed nice at the time, as I recall. Um, she did. She, she was, she was, uh, easy to work with back then. So, yeah. And then Nicholas, uh, Mr. Cage was, um, in full form. Um, he was. Uh, there's a, for those that haven't seen it, uh, highly recommend you go watch it cause it is an insane movie. Um, it's but, nuts. yeah, there's a, uh, uh, not to spoil too much, but there's a sex scene that is also a fight scene and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> cause I, yeah. I think the less I say the better. Um, <laughs> Well, Todd, uh, if you would uh, give us a little background to you and um, um, how you got into the industry, how you became a writer, um, uh, what got you in? Um, I grew up in Kentucky, and uh, I was the kid around the campfire always telling the ghost stories. And it never, the, the idea of leaving small town Kentucky and going to Hollywood, that just wasn't something that you could ever do it's not something you could even comprehend no one was talking about it no one had ever done it it just wasn't on the list of things to do but becoming a writer was, was certainly something that that i thought about and writing novels and that sort of thing so that's what i wanted to do and that's what i was pursuing and then um after college a friend of mine said well why don't you just go to hollywood why don't you just drive out there so i loaded up my 486 computer and some garbage bags full of clothes and Drove to, I, I knew a friend of a friend who had a place in Venice Beach. Oh wow! Overlooking the ocean, and I slept in the hammock for a couple of, for a couple of, I guess maybe a month or two. That was a you know prerequisite to to what was coming in in the coming years. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? But uh, no, it was it was great. I uh, ended up working for the guy who created uh, Friday the Thirteenth, and eventually wrote a Friday the Thirteenth movie. So that's yeah, that's right. It was yeah. Uh, it was much easier than 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 I. It, it felt much easier than it actually is. Mm. The uh, Jason X is uh, is uh, Todd's uh, contribution to the franchise. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, which now I don't know. Were they on fifteen now? Something I've, I've lost count. Um, uh, Ten is one of my favorites, actually. Um, I, I I like. Uh, 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 oh my God! I'm gonna blank on the song. Let the, let the bodies hit the floor. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that song gets in your head and when you watch the trailer alone. But um, uh, when you um, penned your first uh, script, was it um, just a, a treatment that you were trying to get a foot in the door or did you have like a full fleshed out thing you were shopping around? Uh, like the very first script? Yeah, yeah, when you first were trying to uh, get your foot in that door. The, the first one I sent to Dean Laurie. Dean Laurie had, uh, he wrote uh, Jason Goes to Hell. And oh. uh, I, he was a friend of a friend of a friend. And so uh, someone had opened the door to him. I sent him a script. He called me and said, I, you know, I started reading your script. I threw it away after 40 pages <laughs> uh, because you have absolutely no idea how to structure a screenplay. But you've got some good ideas. I can't teach you good ideas. That's natural. But I can teach you structure. And he said, move out to L.A. And I did. And he was the one I suggested move out. Oh, okay. And uh, and so I... Um, he taught me how to, he taught me how to write and it was really as simple as that. Um, and this is, I, I'm guessing predating final draft. Yes. Well, um, this was scriptware. Scriptware was around at that oh, time. Okay. Scriptware was just before and scriptware. I, I wish hadn't gone out of business cause it was very easy and very, it was easy to use final draft. They, you know, they come out with a new version every year or two in order to keep you spending money. But scriptware was just the basics. That's all you really need to write screenplay. Yeah, I think the Final Draft, uh, which is um, screenwriting software, um, but it's, I think they took a page from the Adobe world where it's like, we're just going to mm -hmm. constantly update you and yep. then occasionally move buttons yep. around. <laughs> so you, I would love it if for one of the updates, they just stop it from crashing. That'd be great. <laughs> right. I mean, they, they they could double the price and I'd pay for it. Yeah, right. You know what? We This update, we're going to stop it from crashing. Hey, I love that idea. I'm totally in. <laughs> if you're listening, Final Draft people. Charge you a couple more bucks a month for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're listening, Final Draft people, I still I still use your software, but you can kiss my ass. <laughs> so, what was your first um, uh, first kind of taste of success uh, from the writing end? I mean, you know, Jason X moving forward certainly was. You know, it, it felt I had no idea that Jason X would only be you know wouldn't do well. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I was modeling it off of Aliens, which I thought was, you know, a good movie, and and I, I knew that there were other horror icons who went to space, but I, you know, I I didn't, I wasn't making those movies. I was making Alien or Aliens or something like that. At least that was in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, this was very successful. And plus, to go on set and like I had written that they have these little communicators in their ears that they talk, you know, the way they talk to each other, and somebody had made them. And, and I just remember marveling at that, that I wrote something and it was literally a throwaway line. It was just, you know, because they, <laughs> they got to communicate right. and they're on a spaceship and I didn't want them to use, you know, steel from Star Trek. So yeah. they had these little things in their ears. And then someone created them. Not only did they create them, we had to go get molds for our ears because I played yep. one of the grunts. And so that was just like, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I got to be careful what I write because somebody's going to build this. That, I am so happy. So that blew my that. mind. As a crew member, I am so happy you said that. <laughs> no, it, it, it's and and that's where that's where my love for crew came from. That's where it started because I saw that crew, for the most part, weren't making a lot of money. Hmm. They were they were there when I got there, and they were there when I left. And I was like, well, they're working harder than everyone else. They're not making as much money. And they don't get any of the of the publicity and props that, you know, you know, when I walk down the street, people spit and say, you wrote Jason X. Like, you guys don't get that. No. Um, sometimes people say, uh, what would I know that you've worked on? And you're like, oh, yeah. my God. Um, <laughs> like, what a what a vague question. Cause it's like, I don't know. What, what do you watch? What do you like? <laughs> <laughs> but we would get that question too. Right. Like, have you written anything I've seen? Yeah. And I would, and, and it was always before anything had come out. Cause I, I was in the business for three years before I got a movie, which is really fast. Mm, yeah. But people would say, have you done anything I've seen? And I would say, have you seen Armageddon? Wow. Armageddon. I was like, it's a great movie, isn't it? I never said I didn't write it or I wrote it. I just said, have you seen that? And it may, it was wonderful for conversation. Oh my God. I got to remember that. <laughs> Later I worked with Jonathan Hensley, the guy who wrote it. And I told him that story. He was not happy about it. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> well, he thought it was funny, but not happy. 
Uh, God, that's so good. Um, there's a, uh, we were going to tell the story at some point, but um, we always get random people in the street um, that, uh, you know, yell at us uh, like, uh, you know, can I be in your movie? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or what movie is this? And we're always like, oh, it's a mayonnaise commercial is kind of what we were taught to say as PAs. But, um, but yeah. Um, That's funny. Uh, but we'll, we'll eventually, um, I was set dressing on a show. Uh, it was, I was the Bonnie and Clyde miniseries. And um, yeah. our Teamster driver um, was filling up the gas in these um, uh, random people walking by the gas station. They just saw the big Hollywood truck kind of sign on the on the thing. They're like, "Can I be in your movie?" And the the Teamster driver goes, "Nah, baby, they pre-did that." And normally, <laughs> when people say these things to us, we'll go, "Oh, that's not my department," or "I, I don't know, man." Uh, and and they won't leave you alone. They'll just keep asking questions like, "Was well, there a number yeah. I can call?" or "Who should I talk to?" Yeah. That Teamster driver said that line, and these two guys go, oh, okay. And then I was like, wait, what just <laughs> happened here? So um, I have now used that line. Nah, they pre-did that. <laughs> At least a dozen times, and I've done it in multiple cities, uh, people of all walks of life, and it has worked 100% of the time. People just accept it very strangely, yeah. and then they just leave. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the Teamsters. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So after Jason X, um, did you kind of enjoy like a little break? I mean, how does it work in the writing world? Do you, do you typically like feel like after having some success like that, that you have to immediately jump back in with another idea or do you just kind of enjoy the moment? How, how do you like to go about it? Well, that was a weird one because Jason X didn't come out for a long time. Like we, finished the movie and it sat there forever. Oh, I didn't uh, DeLuca know left New Line, a bunch of things that New Line changed. Freddy versus Jason was in development. They didn't want to put their focus on Jason X until they knew what they were doing with, with Freddy versus Jason. So a lot of things wow. happened. And then um, I started working on a thriller because I thought like horror wasn't what it is today. Horror mm. was was a stepping stone. That's where you started out. It's like, you know, you only had to mention a New Line making horror movies for the most part. And then you moved on to Armageddon. You moved on to something else. And um, it's it wasn't until Scream came out that suddenly everyone's doing horror and horror had exploded. And yeah. Now every every production company, every production house, every studio has a, a genre department. And, you know they're cranking out horror constantly, and that's the way it should be. But at the same time, you know back then we didn't know any better. And so I had wrote this thriller and uh, went out with it. And this was before Jason even came out. Uh, Jonathan Hensley, that's how I met him, was attached to, to direct it. Ended up selling it. And so that's what was going on when Jason X came out and nobody went to see it. And it was this, this movie that was... And so that's when I got the first taste of, oh, so if you don't write a movie that's successful, then you and the director tend to take the blame for that. Mm. And, and that is how, you know, it's, it's sad, but that's sort of how it runs down to some degree. Now you can always bounce back, but uh, you certainly take the hit. And so, but fortunately I already had this other thing move forward before that happened. So that sort of kept me in the industry and I worked except for maybe one or two bad years. I had a job every year and it wasn't, I never got rich off of it, but I made enough money to fill the coffers for that year and work for that year because we, you know, I would get paid 50 to 60 to a hundred grand and sometimes far more. And that was enough to keep me running, mm -hmm. pay off all the credit card debts and so forth. But, uh, you know, I never got rich enough that I could buy a castle in Portugal, <laughs> which for anyone listening, he is in a castle in Portugal, <laughs> which is. I mean, eventually awesome. that does happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's a logical stepping stone. Yeah, uh, I mean, you might as well. <laughs> um, uh, that's a, uh, maybe a, a good segue. Um, so, uh, could you speak a little bit to uh, how you get into the uh, Writers Guild um, upon having a, a script um, being picked up and everything? Like the process of of getting into the guild. I mean, for me, I mean, everyone, there's different ways of getting in the guild. You can get certain, you can get certain jobs in TV. And if you get a certain number of jobs, then you can apply and you pay your fee and you can pop right in. Uh, for me, I think it was just one theatrical. And uh, I'm not sure if it's still that at the time uh, or, or still that now. But uh, at the time, I, uh, and I don't, th I think Cunningham paid my fee. I don't remember what it was. It was 
couple of thousand dollars. And uh, he paid the fee and uh, to get me into the guild. And so Jason X was my first step in. And then I've been a guild member ever since. So it's, uh, and I, and the, and the guild has on several occasions, like saved my butt. I mean, residuals and so forth were, you know, it's a, this, this strike and the strike in 2008 were needed because, you know, we, when, as I said, you know, I've always done one movie a year, but by the end of that year, you know, the coffers are starting to empty and the credit cards are starting to fill up. And a lot of times those residuals are what keep you afloat. So it's a big deal. And the fact that when streaming started, suddenly there were no residuals, they sort of vanished. Then that was, that hurt a lot of people. So, And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, in the part one, uh, we touched on that a little bit uh, as far as the streaming world uh, brought a big decline to the residual world, which a lot mm -hmm. of people rely on, uh, in, especially, you know, in the subject of these strikes, uh, writers and actors. But um, uh, if you had to kind of um, ballpark uh, maybe a percentage, uh, like, say, your paycheck versus your, your residuals as far as income, um, what would you say the, the difference is now from, say, pre-streaming? I mean, it's hard. Uh, it, it, it depends. I mean, it kind of depends on the movie and depends on, but take Jason X, for instance. Jason X came out, w did not make money at the box office. I mean, it, I think it made maybe its money back, but certainly didn't make its advertising back. Not in the beginning stages. I think mm -hmm. over DVDs and so forth, that made their money. But uh, I made, I was paid, I think, 60 grand to write Jason X. Um, and I was paid my first residual check on Jason X. And I didn't know it was coming. I uh, didn't know what it was. Uh, we, we sort of talk about these green envelopes and there's a drawer over there full of green envelopes that show up in Portugal. <laughs> and those, I didn't know what it was. And so it showed up and I opened it up and it was a check for, you know, just North of six figures, which was more than I got paid for the movie <laughs> that does not, and has never happened again. Uh, certain because you know Netflix came along and other streamers came along and and they weren't paying the same. And I remember, I remember the first time I saw a green envelope was from a guy named Dean Reisner. Dean Reisner wrote High Plains Drifter, Dirty Harry, and he was sort of a mentor of mine hmm. when I first moved out here. He was seventy nine when I met him, and uh, and I remember him walking over. I'd go see him once, you know, once, twice, three times a month. And we'd sit around and talk and tell old stories. And, and he went and got one of those checks and brought it over. And it was a check for 10 grand. And it was from Dirty Harry. This was probably 1999. And he was still getting checks for $10,000 from Dirty Harry, which was a movie that came out ages ago. And so it's not certainly VHS got paid a big chunk of money. And then, and then uh, CD or DVDs came along and, and the studios were like, well, we don't know if this is going to work. So we need you to give us a discount. We said, sure. The, the guild said, sure, we'll give you a discount. Hmm. And then they never came back up. Streaming was even worse. <laughs> so whatever we were making, I mean, DVDs were a dream compared to what we were getting paid for streaming. So anyway, it's just, you know, it's the way it is. It keep, kept getting worse and worse until, you know, I don't know what the percentage would be, but. Um, my last movie, I think my first, my first check was maybe 10 grand Wow, compared to a hundred grand, which is Jason X. And as a reminder to anyone listening, Todd's also living in Los Angeles at this time. So keep that in mind when you're talking about cost of living and everything, you know, that's, that yeah. money is very different in a city like that versus like it middle is. America or something. So, um, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of people uh, you, you'll see, especially as the strikes have gone on, that you realize a lot of people don't really understand um, that if you know the name of a writer or if you have a favorite actor, celebrity type or whatever, you're talking about a small percentage of the actual members in these mm -hmm. guilds. And yeah. a lot of people are suffering, but they're suffering in the name of having better things down the road. And... Yeah. Um, um, if you if you could, because 2008 was a little bit of a different situation than uh, uh, 2023. But um, what was the what was the driving issue for the strike in 2008? I mean, it was the same situation. I mean, it was, it was certainly residuals, certainly healthcare. I mean, it was all the the same sort of issues. Uh, I want to say 
at least in my mind, uh, residuals was the bigger issue because we had taken we'd taken such a loss on the VHS from what we were getting. We were just always trying to get back to that number. Right. It just wasn't happening. Mm. Um, but it was a much different time. And, you know, certainly reality TV was already in, in the steps of being created, but the strike helped launch it. And so survivor and, um, amazing race and those, and my wife worked on amazing race for six years. So, I mean, but it certainly created that. We haven't seen that this time in that, uh, when the strike happened, you know, normally reality TV would explode. It didn't this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studios and the networks were very careful and in, in where they spent their money. They weren't going out making risks. They were taking product that they knew was successful and they were increasing it. They were making it two hours longer, an hour and a half longer. They were doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, instead of doing below deck, they were doing below deck Nicaragua. I mean, they were doing different, <laughs> you know, it was just getting more and more kinds of the same thing right. because that was less risk. And, um, but, uh, you know, we all come at it from a different perspective. And uh, certainly I feel like, you know, what we accomplished this time through the Guild, all the things that we won, um, just helps. IATSE just helps the writers, just, I mean, helps the actors, helps everyone coming along behind us. Yeah, for sure. I hope any. Um, and um, uh, that, that's a good uh, segue to, especially, can you speak a little bit as far as some of the bigger pieces that y'all were able to win uh, in the negotiations? I, I mean, across the, it, it was a win across the board. Mm. If you go back to what they were willing to give us in May and what we ended up getting, I mean, it's, there's no comparison. I mean, we, we got, not only did we get theatrical, but we got uh, streaming bumps and ad based streaming bumps, which, you know, has, has never happened. Foreign residuals went up. Foreign residuals never goes up. Right. Um, uh, although I am predominantly feature what happened in the, in the, in the, what they were doing to TV writers was just so short sighted and that Mm. you're not allowing, you're, you're keeping the room small so that the new writers can't come in and learn from the, the seasoned writers so that in 20 years from now, we got a bunch of guys who don't know how to write TV. Because it's a completely different monster than the feature writer. Yeah, that's a really I would good like point. to say, I, I think TV is is the more adult game because, you know, you can't just sit around and nitpick something. You you write it and you go shoot it, and uh, and you've got a it's it's a much different world. And um, I think the two, you know, I think the two have to work well together, and and they did. I, I love what you know what they negotiated and what they got, and you know the whole thing with AI. Now the Writers Guild gets to approve what kind of AI is used. So that's that's a big, you know, they, they more regulate what's what's happening with AI. And so that that's you know fantastic. And uh, we got I, I think two and a half times the money that they were saying we couldn't have back in May. So mm-hmm. just across the board. So all in all, it's it's a massive win. And not only that, but then the the whole thing with, you know, streaming companies didn't want to tell us how much they were making so we could base our residuals on that. Right. And so we, we won that. So now there's more transparency, which didn't exist. Exactly. And should always exist. And so, you know, they would go on and say, oh, we, you know, look at how many people watched our show. And then we'd talk to them. Yeah, not that many people watched it. So, <laughs> you know, that transparency is, is, is there now where it wasn't. So. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, we we spoke a little bit in part one about the CEOs of some of these um, uh, more major uh, streaming services and the insane amount of money that is circling around at the top. Yeah, and I mean it's tough tough for them to get get by on the money they were making. It's I feel for them. You know, it's hard to when you have to like wait to buy your third yacht. It's a little difficult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, wait for the better price. You can't just go out and buy it willy nilly. You gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta shop around. You gotta look at eBay, right? And then Iger had made um, his like kind of Marie Antoinette comment that didn't go over very yeah. well. No, and uh, he was uh, quickly uh, singing a different tune. I believe within two days of making that comment. But yeah, it was um, yeah. Uh, the fact that they couldn't even be bothered 
to come to the negotiations in the beginning just felt like such an insult yeah. and, and we're outsiders, you know, looking at the negotiations, but, um, they, when they finally said that they would come at the end, they still couldn't come in person. They only, only came via zoom and they, they made an offer to the WGA and they even had the audacity to say, this is our final offer as yeah. if, as if that's something they get to dictate. <laughs> yeah. So no, I love that. There was there was one guy on the picket line this time where he was he was talking about they uh you know make them making offers and and saying things like well you know if you guys stay on strike we're just not going to pay you and he's like bitch you ain't paid me in three years <laughs> and I was like okay well I mean that's a good point because most writers go and go for a long time without getting paid and so really you you really think by not paying us that's going to end the strike because you're already not paying us. That's why we're doing this. So right. anyway, but you, you, you bring up another good thing that I think is worth mentioning. Um, uh, anyone can take the time to kind of go look at online photos and things, but uh, writers being writers, y'all by far had the best signs on the picket lines. I mean, there were some gems uh, that you would see. Yeah. Um, I should actually go pull some of those up. Maybe we'll put in. Um, yeah, there were some great ones. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 it's always nice in our world because we're all union guild people to have that bond and unity that we can feel, um, in that because none of us want it to be an us versus them thing, but when mm -hmm. you get forced or pigeonholed to be like that, mm -hmm. then it just makes you feel more bonded with your side, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, they, I think the those streaming services especially, I think they just imagined things would go very different. I, I don't know. I think so. This is me, right? Yeah. Okay. How's, how's this? That good? There we go. There we go. Uh, okay. Uh, whenever, whenever I'm ready? Okay. Here we go. Uh, hey, everybody. It's Joe. I wanted to tell you about an awesome deal from SoundHard. Whether you are a film or television professional, a podcaster, content creator, musician, studio engineer, or even just a guy like me that doesn't know where to begin... SoundHard offers a wide range of equipment to handle any size production or budget with expert advice available from an experienced team that works in the field. And now SoundHard is offering new customers 25% off your first rental. Just enter promo code FILMFOLK25, that's F-I-L-M-F-O-L-K-2-5, no spaces. At checkout, terms apply. Go to SoundHard.com for details. We pulled up some uh, strike signs. Uh, this sign says Alexa will not replace us. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that one. Yeah, which you know, I think that's a good way to get back into it. The um, the AI talk felt like it was a little bit more important for y'all. The, the actors, it feels like it's more like foundation language to get into the contract mm -hmm. now. That could be more mm -hmm. of an issue later. But yeah, the AI stuff is a little bit more pressing for y'all to get hammered out. And, uh, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but prior to this contract there there was no language right as far as AI. no there was as far as i know there was there was none uh, i mean certainly the idea or at least what was floating around was the idea that they would they would hire us to come in and basically uh rewrite stuff that ai had come up with that was one one aspect and so we're doing all of the heavy lifting because ai really can't create you know, all it's doing is, is creating ideas based on what's out there in the world, which is what you see from the artwork. You know, they're, they're taking art from the internet and creating something that's based on somebody else's work. Mm. Uh, so it was that sort of thing. And then pay us pennies on the dollar to do all the heavy lifting to fix what was screwed up in the first place. And so that's bad. But then I see it from the actor's point of view too, which is, you know, they're saying, you know, look, we want to take your image, you're in this movie. And then, you know, I saw somebody make the example that, Robert Downey Jr. is in the first Iron Man. And then from then on out, it's just his AI representation in all the other movies. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have to pay him anywhere near what they paid him, which was a fortune. And so, you know, for them, it works great for him, not so much. But um, so it's good that, you know, we we won what we won because I, that feel, it feels like the actors will then be able to, you know, carry that and take it even further if they need to. And yeah. it's not something that we deal with. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, let's see, before we got disconnected, we were going to segue into, um, uh, when you hit your, your rough spot, um, uh, earlier in your career, 
Um, and you wrote this very powerful, um, I don't know if I, what, what you call it an open letter or just an open essay. Um, it, but it, maybe an essay. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was, it, I don't know. Maybe it, it just, it was one of those things that really spoke to me, um, and about the fragility of our industry at times mm -hmm. and how you can be feeling success one second and then you can be having, um, you know, roadblock after roadblock, you know, another second. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's, um, you know, and you can of course speak to it. Um, but that's kind of what, what ended up happening to you, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, there is a perception that, you know, if you have made a movie that you're a millionaire mm -hmm. and it's a perception from, you know, from people outside of Hollywood, people in, in Hollywood know that's most likely not the case, correct. but out in the world, there is that perception. And though I had several movies when J when uh, Friday the third, when drive angry came out and didn't do so well, uh, Patrick and I had meetings that went away. People call, you know, had meetings that were scheduled that, that they were like, you know, we're going to have to postpone this oh, wow. because it didn't do, it didn't do well. And, you know, part of it, you know, Nick had been at a bunch of movies, just one right after another. And mm -hmm. he felt horrible about that. And he blamed himself. And, and we were both like, no, no, it's, you know, there's, there's, there is a fine line that brought us to this place. Now, uh, 3D movies were oversaturated to some degree. And so there were a lot of reasons that we didn't. Or maybe the movie sucked. Who knows? But there like were all that. of those things joined in together. And uh, the movie didn't do well. And so over a course of time, that hurt us. And so pretty soon, I found myself sleeping in my Prius, which is as I mentioned, far more roomy than you might expect. <laughs> right. And, uh, and it was one of those things where it was like, it wasn't something where I was like, I'm homeless. It was something where I was like, well, it's just for tonight. It's just for, it's just for this weekend. You know, I'll figure this out. I'll find somewhere else to, to move and mm -hmm. stay and it'll be fine. And next thing I know, I mean, I'm six months into it and I've got a pretty good routine and I was lucky because I had this $10 gym membership. And so, I would go work out and, and I was in the best shape of my life because I wanted to shower. Yeah. And so I'd go work out every single day and then I'd take my shower. And then, you know, so it was a, it was a tricky time, but I never felt, I never felt bad. I never felt down. There were a couple of times where, where I felt ashamed because, you know, my friends were out doing other things and, and, you know, they were making movies and they were doing things. And, and suddenly I felt like I wasn't a part of that Mm. and and that hurt i mean i think it hurt my ego more than anything else it's just or just you know we we join as as writers we join this because we want to tell you a story mm -hmm. i don't care really about fame and fortune I, I i just i like telling stories and and suddenly i didn't have access to that anymore and and that i think more than anything else i saw you know my friends still telling their stories and i was not able and that was that's what hurt the most but um you know as with everything you know you high highs and low lows and you know i bounce back and the roller coaster continues <laughs> and and um and to to give a, a happy bookend um for for that part of the journey um can you speak a little bit to uh where you are now and and uh where you're talking from <laughs> well I may or may not be in a castle in Portugal. <laughs> and um, we, uh, my wife and I had been looking for a place in Ireland for a long time. And, uh, and we, uh, and she's Irish. And so we thought, well, let's, let's, let's check out Portugal as well. It's right there. And, and we'd heard nice things about Portugal. And, and so we came down and we found, we found this place and it was, this was it. Now it was in disrepair. It needed, it needed a lot of love. And, and, in Portugal around this time of year, the rains come. Mm. And so uh, I had started preparing for the rains and that fixing the roof. We knew there were a lot of water damage in certain rooms. And so, so it's been an everyday, you know, like it's, it's a fixer upper and we've been doing it ourselves. So it's, you know, we go in and we tear out this and, and paint the walls and fix the leaks in the roof. And then here come the rains and there's this, we have a tower and it's, it, it is, it is what you would see in a, in a castle. <laughs> and that tower has some leaks. <laughs> oh my so gosh! It's been uh, it's been working desperately to fix all the leaks in the tower, and then we put in a um, we put in a stove, uh, sort of fireplace stove in in uh, the main living room, and punch 
popped a hole through the roof. And the moment we popped the hole, here come the rains. Oh my God. And uh, so we were scrambling to fix the hole. And so now there's currently, it's raining right now. And there's currently one single drip coming out of the ceiling. (laughs) I can't go up there and fix it because it's raining. So there's a bucket. So it's very glamorous, by the way. (laughs) I love the idea uh, of a fixer upper castle. I know. I, I was just thinking, yeah, yes. I was just thinking like if there's a if there's a producer for like HGTV listening, there's a opportunity here. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it has been, uh, and the funny thing is, we've filmed everything because we we. St- I mean, she, my wife's in reality, so she was like, oh, "We're going to film everything." So we have we filmed everything. Oh, uh, that's fantastic! And uh, so we will we will one day probably stick that out there into the world and let people watch it because it has been. I mean, it's but it it's. It's amazing. I grew up in the South and this is very much like the South in that, you know, we live on well water. We got five different wells and some of them work and some of them don't. And some of them are so old. There's probably bodies down there and I can't wait to (laughs) rappel down and find them. And so, and I know there's treasure. This place has a backstory. I know there's treasure. I haven't found it yet, but I'm slowly whittling away. Like there's a gap in this wall behind me. There shouldn't be. But if you look at where the wall ends on the outside, I mean, granted, there's a fireplace there, but there's 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 space. What's there? What's in that space? I'm going to find out. So, uh, it's pirate country, right? <laughs> yes, it is. There's doubloons in these walls. There you go. Uh, there, uh, what's the, the it was uh, amazing stories uh, that with the well that they would send the stuff down the well and like uh, gold and and stuff would come back. Um, wasn't that amazing oh, stories? I, I don't remember that one, um, but I like it. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, it, spoiler: There was an abusive father that uh, eventually went. He fell down the well, and uh, yeah. and when he <laughs> the bucket came back with more like gold and everything than it had had previously. And, uh, and everything they were sending down was food. And so I think the note that came back was like, that was the tastiest thing yet. (laughs) 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 Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure those amazing stories, but, um, anyway, um, uh, Todd, a couple of final things, uh, just to get us out of here and thank you again so much for, uh, giving us this time. Um, my pleasure. We, um, we wanted to look at, um, a little bit of um, where you are now, what are you working on, um, uh, what have you been up to work-wise, um, uh, anything that you want to promote, whether it's something f- uh, you know for yourself or um, mm-hmm. someone colleague-wise you want to promote. Uh, we just wanted to give a, a, a moment for you to be able to um, uh, either endorse something you're doing or something else someone else has going on. Yeah, well, much of much of what I'm doing now, I played the game where I was doing movies for other people for a long time. And so now I'm in, in a position where I want to do things for myself. Mm-hmm. And so we've got uh, this was the castle was an old farm. And so there's there's uh, it was an old there's a winery downstairs and there's another building with a winery in it. There's old, awesome. old wine in it, probably port at this point, because it's been there for yeah. a while. <laughs> I haven't broken into it yet, but. I will. And this, you can't see there's, there's this whole bookshelf wall next. I mean, I can turn. There's a whole bookshelf here. That's just full of of 50 year old whiskey. If you like that sort of thing. Oh my God. Um, haven't broken into any of it yet, but, uh, one day we're pacing ourselves. (laughs) And so, but the idea is to shoot stuff here and, uh, and shoot it ourselves. And, uh, and so that's the, that's what I've been working on. I wrote a biopic, uh, a rock and roll biopic, that we're that uh, takes place uh, predominantly in Ireland and England, and uh, we've met with uh, rights holders and music rights holders and so forth. And so that's something that that I want to pursue. And then during the during the strike, I I left LA, so I'm no longer on the picket line because this had been planned since January. Mm. And so we moved here. We were working every day on this, but at night I would come down here and write because I was like, well, you know, I've got these ideas. And so I did go out with the spec as soon as the the strike was over. And so um, I've got a couple of directors looking at that now. And so, and then Eden and I have a couple of shows that we're doing together. We started our own company so that we can uh, do international shows since we're now international. That's so and, cool. Uh, and by the way, international is awesome. If you get a chance to do it, just do it. Yeah. It's <laughs> great out here in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, that's, that's um, um, for us as crew, 
it it's i mean one we have our our union locals and things like that and so there's tricks of getting transfers and getting in and out but we mm -hmm. also are kind of limited yeah. to our production hubs you know um it we're it, you know you might think um uh that's a good place maybe saint paul is a lovely place i've never been there but um mm -hmm. but there's not really production there so it yeah. wouldn't you know behoove us to do it but it's nice if you ever get that freedom that you can pick where you want to live in the world and you're not yeah. married to where you have to live in the world so no. uh, yeah. that is i mean kudos to you um uh well do uh do you, by the way do you you have a drive angry jacket, don't you? I do have my drive angry jacket. Uh, well, the bull, you know, bull by the balls. <laughs> bull by the balls jacket. Uh, that jacket, because we, because Patrick and I, because the studio wouldn't pay for jackets for everybody. So Patrick and I bought the jackets. Oh, yeah. But as a right. result of that, most of, most of the different crew ended up making their own t-shirts. I have 20 different t-shirts. I have a PA t-shirt. I have a grip t-shirt. I have all these. I have a Teamster t-shirt. I have all these t-shirts. It's my greatest prize that I own. And I brought them all. And, and Ida was like, you brought all of your t-shirts? Yes, I did. <laughs> so they're back, they're back in a drawer. All of my crew t-shirts from Drive Angry. Oh, here. that's so cool. Uh, yeah, that's it, that's a funny thing from our side of things. Um, it, we have, I guess it's sort of a, a joke on our, our side, but it, it's like... Um, you're finishing a show, maybe the show was difficult or whatever, but people are just going, well, I better get my t-shirt, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, <laughs> we're, we're not even thinking about like, uh, you know, any kind of income increase or anything like that. It's like just not well, even a copy of what we worked on. We can't even get a, a DVD of what no, we worked on. I mean, on. that's why I joined <laughs> yeah. the industry was for the t-shirts. T-shirts. Free clothes. Yeah. <laughs> t-shirts are great. Yeah. You guys did the Jonah King t-shirts, right? Uh, yes, we did. Or was that? Is yeah, it, yeah. So I've I've got several of those. That shirt, <laughs> like, I I I'll, I can put a picture of it on on uh, on the website. It's yeah. Um, so many people have guessed at who that is, and because it's a yeah. silhouette. Um, yeah. uh, there was a um, uh, a spotlight um, that they put a stencil over so it could shine to the wall, and then the production yeah. designer, uh, shout out Nathan Amundsen, um, was uh. uh he took that stencil and then just made shirts out of it. And so t-shirts out of it. Yeah. It's this uh, silhouette, but uh, I mean, people have guessed every actor under the sun and yeah. to this day, no one has gotten it right. Cause that silhouette is so it's a really cool yeah. thing, but it's hard to guess who it is. Yeah. Uh, are, are we going to tell, are we going to tell people that it's Billy Burke or are we going to, yeah, we can say, gonna, we can say Billy Burke. Who, who's a lovely man. Spark, <laughs> sparkly vampire's dad from, uh, from all the, the sparkly vampire movies. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, Billy, Billy was great. Bill Fickner. I still talk to Bill Fickner all the time. I just talked to him last week. So oh, that's I mean, cool. It's uh, yeah, he's lovely. Yeah. He played the accountant in drive angry. So, Oh yeah, that's lovely. right. That's right. The, uh, the, um, I guess one thing we can mention since we brought up Nicholas cage, that, that time period was, um, um, I mean, again, this is speaking to fragility, but, um, uh, people listening may remember a man now in prison named Bernie Madoff, and um, you know, mm -hmm. hindsight twenty twenty, you can um, uh, you can say maybe I should invest with someone whose name is Madoff. But um, he, uh, and Nicholas, was one of the people that got financially hit by his schemes, and uh, that's what was the catalyst for uh, what like a hundred Nicolas Cage movies in a three year period or something mm -hmm. like that. But he was working nonstop and he was just burning out. And yeah. I think for anyone that's like a Nicolas Cage fan or whatever, you might not know that readily of why he was pumping out uh, uh, quantity over quality for a while. And yeah. every now and then of that run, he would be on something cool or fun and you would get a better version of him. I, I I had the pleasure of working with him. I think I've worked with him four times now, but because he's method, he's like a box of chocolates. So every time you mm -hmm. get a different Nicholas Cage on your show, um, mm -hmm. expect no less, I'm sure for any fan, but, um, but he was in such a good mood and so excited on drive angry. That's one of the things I remember, um, because I, the show I did with him before that and not long after that, he was definitely showing signs of wear and fatigue yeah. but you could tell he was really excited about the project and he he, he, yeah. he, he nailed it i think as far as what y'all were no, wanting and everything right yeah i mean he was he was fantastic from the moment he walked on set he knew every line yeah and he was coming up asking me things you know so, so you know this one part and i was like 
dude, I need the script. <laughs> he knew every line and I wrote it and I didn't know any of the lines. But I mean, he was, he was fun. And, but at the same time, he lives in a world we don't live in. Like I can That's remember some, one, somebody was talking, one of the PAs was saying something about going to Target. Nick, you want something from Target? He was like, Target. What is, what is, what is Target? <laughs> like he, cause he doesn't, he doesn't live in that world. And, I, and we went to DeLuca, Patrick Lucier and I, with Nick went to a restaurant there in Shreveport one night. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first five minutes, somebody comes up, Mr. Cage, can I have your autograph? And he was, he was lovely to everyone, but maybe three minutes in as the liquor started to flow, suddenly it was like the Beatles. I mean, we were completely surrounded and he was like, I'd never seen him so uncomfortable. He was like, so, so we, we, we're going we're gonna to go now. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, and so we were like, yeah. And so we all stood up and the, you know, food hadn't, hadn't even shown up. And so we, you know, we led him outside where, where his teamster was waiting for him. He jumped in the car and he drove off and he had left his credit card for us to, for us to pay for the food. Cause we hadn't paid for the food. And so DeLuca was sitting there and, he was DeLuca, and we were like, well, what are we going to do? Should we go get the food? And DeLuca was like, you guys realize we're in Shreveport, Louisiana with Nick Cage's black American express card. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we got the food and went back to our hotel rooms and ate it. That's great. <laughs> Uh, that's, we should also mention that um, uh, as Katrina happened in New Orleans, um, the film industry had kind of relocated up in Shreveport in the northern part of the state, uh, if you don't know where Shreveport yeah. is. But um, uh, it kind of, uh, I would say, what, maybe like by 2009, 2010, I think everything was kind of flowing back New Orleans way. Um, mm -hmm. Shreveport was a great place to work in, though, um, just because the downtown kind of becomes a back lot. The, yeah. the police bend over backwards for you there. Um, I, I mean, I, I felt like, I felt like you could have asked anything and they'd be like, we'll make it happen. <laughs> no well, you're all New Orleans now, right? Yes. Um, um, pretty much everyone that was relocated up there, uh, because of the storm, uh, now has returned. So let's come back. So the, are they doing anything? thing in Shreveport anymore or is it every now and then there's something up there but um yeah. I think logistically the number one issue with it is it didn't have a direct flight to Los Angeles that was right and yeah, then that's always an issue let's be honest if you have a choice between New Orleans or Shreveport <laughs> producers are probably going to pick New Orleans um <laughs> but uh but yeah I mean like for what we were doing um I mean that place was perfect for for filming yeah. easy to get around you know yeah um just not a lot to do um anywho's um well todd thank you so much um uh my pleasure anything uh, you you want to say or soapbox moment or anything um it can be industry in general uh any advice you'd like to impart on anyone listening it can be good advice bad advice i mean i would say looking back if i had if I had it all to do again, I probably would do the same thing because I, I like the journey that I've taken. But, you know, if somebody else wants to take this journey and not make the same mistakes, I think I would suggest make your own films. Uh, don't just rely, don't just write and then rely on somebody else to, to come in and, and save the day for you. Just, we have cameras now, you know, these, these cameras can do right everything that we did when we started out i mean you can make your own movie you can light your own movie. you can do it all just spent like you guys there is no doubt in my mind with everything that you guys have done and everything that you guys do you go out tomorrow and make a fantastic movie mm. because you know how to do everything you can light it you can put cut the sound together you can prop it you can do everything you can wardrobe it you guys together can go out and make an astounding film. And I say, go do it. I'll help you for one. Oh, I appreciate that, Todd. That's a, no, that's a wonderful thing you just said. Um, that's a, that's another thing. Maybe we should, um, we'll post it in notes or we can talk about it in the outro, but, um, uh, there's been really, really, I don't know, at least for me, like warming, comments that a lot of writers and actors have been saying, you know, in the course of 2023 that, um, I, I just, uh, saw Jason Alexander yesterday, uh, had a really lovely thing he was saying about crew, but, um, mm. it's, it's nice to know that we're trying to be in the same group, you know, that we're, we're trying to mm. be on the same page and everything kind of going back to that, 
being forced into that us versus them kind of thing that we we want the solidarity with the unions and the guilds and i think more and you know i could be wrong but it just feels like more than ever in the history of our industry we're closer in solidarity than we've been at least i mean certainly in the last 20 years since i've been in but um that's it warms my heart i'll just say it that way (laughs) well it's from mine yeah i appreciate it todd thank you so much for joining us and um uh, thanks for having me we want uh keep you around anymore uh, uh safe trip to go uh run well we'll just say going to the airport but um yeah. talk to you soon hopefully thanks Todd. all right take care that was really cool uh uh Todd was great. Uh, that was uh, better than uh, I think I could have even imagined. And uh, living in a castle, I'm a little jealous. Um, I don't know. What did y'all think uh, about uh, what Todd had to say? I thought it was informative, and I didn't realize that uh, the residuals kind of kept on taking a hit after the switch to DVDs, mm-hmm. which is just very funny uh, that they keep on saying, like, no, this is. Oh, new. we're gonna get to this it. This is new, or even not, we're gonna get to it. But this is new, and therefore we can't back it, and we don't know if people yeah. are gonna watch it. Which is or bear really, with us. We're just we're just navigating some new new territory. But yeah, which us. is and then they never um, came back to adjust it. Yeah, which is just like silly and yeah. uh, <laughs> just think about how we uh, consume media and how everybody does. Like, no, it's 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 gonna work. It's. That's how we do. Uh, it, but the DVD thing is what is uh, funny to me. Because streaming, okay, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I, I, I kind of get it. But also now in 2023, I, I don't. Like, that's how people watch. But DVDs, I'm like. Yeah, I was surprised that it, it was happening earlier than I think we realized. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. So, yeah. And uh, in our next installment, we're going to have, a, a, we're going to be SAG-focused uh, Screen Actors Guild. And um, uh, hopefully uh, we're going to have... Um, uh, Joe Stunts um, join us, and um, uh, he uh, can speak uh, to the uh, SAG strike and everything. Mm-hmm. He had told me in conversation because we're working on the same thing right now um, that when he started in the industry, his paychecks and his um, residuals, he said income wise, was about 50 50. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty even income. He said to go to the present, it's 85 15. And 15 being the residuals. Being the residuals. Yeah. So now the bulk majority of his income is the paychecks that he's making, but he can't rely on the supplemental um, anymore because it's diminished to such a degree. And he can speak more to that when he's here, but I thought that was fascinating. That's why I was, I think I caught Todd off guard, but that's why I was trying to ask him about uh, if he can put a percentage on it because that's what uh, Joe had, had said. Yeah. Um, and and that's another thing too. I think that's we can close out with that. But even though we don't get residuals, it's not something. I, some people I think below the line get upset or jealous at the residuals. But it, it's also kind of I, I don't look at it that way just because of the nature of how everything went, the paths that it went, and they're on the creative side. We're on the technical side, unless you're ironically in the art department. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> Um, it's, um, it's, it's what it is, you know, and, and when someone is used to having something and then that something is being taken away, you need to replace it with something else. It's just the way it is. So anyway, with that said, uh, hope, uh, everyone enjoyed listening to that. And, uh, thank you again, uh, Todd for joining us and, uh, we will, um, uh, continue this next, like I said, with the SAG installment. And um, let's see, Zoe, you wanna you wanna close us out here? Absolutely. Do you like what we're doing here? Do you have thoughts, comments, questions? Maybe you have an idea or suggestions for topics you wanna hear about? Uh, well, you can find us on the interwebs. You can email us at filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. That's filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com, folk with an L. Um, you can find us on uh, socials. Instagram's Film Folklore Podcast, Facebook group, Film Folklore, uh, Twitter, X, The Musk Thing, at The Film Folklore, 
It's all pretty film folklore. So you just got to remember that one. Um, and we're on Truth Social as well. Love that truth. Uh, just kidding. We hate him. Uh, but thank you all for joining us today. Uh, sorry, Chris. Sorry, Joe. Um, yeah. Justin. Jed. Oh. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I just had this moment where I'm like, are we taking that? <laughs> <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>